0: Good morning. Welcome to the vineyard. Good to see everybody. Have fun, kids. Enjoy. They do a lot of fun stuff in our kids' rooms. You got to see the stuff that comes out of there—the crafts and the candy had and the snacks, or healthy snacks, of course. <laughs> All of a sudden, I realized. All oh, healthy and juice and yeah, good stuff. Welcome to those of you joining us online. We're glad to have you here as well on a uh, very nice Sunday morning here in the Keys. We are going to start a brand new series today. Uh, it says Imager up there, part one, but it's actually Imager in Training is what I'm calling it. That's the full title. Uh, and we'll get into why as we do the series. There's new wristbands. You know, I don't know. I'm old, so I like a wristband. Uh, so I always start the series with a wristband. Uh, I have them made there in the back if you want some on the table. I buy plenty so everybody can have one. And I just think about it as I go and, and uh, it kind of helps me stay on track. And where we're heading next. And we're going to be talking about what I'm meaning by saying we're imagers. Imagers in training. And, you know, the, the quick is that, that we're we're to be reflecting God to the world and to one another. So it's a very interesting journey that we're on. And we're going to use the Beatitudes That's sort of the way that we look at that in the beginning of the series. And so we'll be digging in there in just a moment. But uh, that's kind of enough to get going. And I know some of you are waiting for this part, the, the incredibly bad joke section. And I will not fail you. I hear that there's a new medicine that you can get that cures skepticism. I'm not buying it. The name Frodo really has a ring to it. Just for you Tolkien fans. There's very few of you I know, but there are a few. This one's right on the edge. There's a guy going around stabbing people with knitting needles. The police say he may be following a pattern. And that's just... It's, just, it's so inappropriate that you don't... You get nervous. It's nervous laughter. The main function of the little toe on your foot is to make sure that all the furniture in the house is in place. You know that. Alice, my love, come, pray for us. Lead us in the reading of the word.
1: That little toad joke, ooh, doesn't it make you cringe? Like, oh I remember that. The day before my wedding, many, many moons ago, my little toad did adjust a footstool in my house and it it broke. Right before my wedding. You know how when you get your wedding dress, you get the shoes to match the length. And there was no way I wasn't going to wear those shoes. Shoved them in there. Limped down the aisle.
0: I spent the first part of our marriage taping those two toes together. He did. Regularly.
1: And that's love.
0: This is how you fix it, honey.
1: Yeah, but it's crooked like that. It doesn't matter. Let me (laughs) tape it to
0: this one. It'll all be good.
1: And wear slippers. That'll be my advice. In your house, wear house shoes. Oh goodness, let's let's press into Papa, shall we, before we read the word together. You are the perfect Father, Lord. Thank you. Thank you for coming and ministering to us in worship, Lord, for your spirit that falls upon us, Father. Thank you, Lord. We say yes. We say yes today to all you have, Father, to the goodness that passes before our eyes, Lord. We say yes. Father, I pray that today, as we learn about being image bearers for you, you would open our ears to hear something we've never heard before, that we would more rightly reflect you in the world around us. In Jesus' name, amen. Will you stand, please, for the reading of the word? The text today is out of the Gospel of Matthew, and we're in chapter 5, verses 1 through 12. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Blessed be the word of God. You may be seated.
0: All right. So. We're going to. Be in the Beatitudes for this next little chunk of time. So I want to introduce them and then I'm going to introduce the whole idea of the series about an imager. And both of these things, uh, I want to talk a little bit about the bigger story because you should always be referencing back to that. That's how the scripture is We spend a lot of time that you get to that. So the first thing you, you need to connect with as we look through the Beatitudes is the idea of exodus. And we've talked at length in Exodus. Remember, the Exodus is where God came and delivered his people from slavery and bondage. And he brought them through the waters into the desert. And that's where they found life. And, And so that was their experience right through the water into the desert. And then God does this amazing thing where he gives them. The Ten Words. We've talked about that a lot. The Ten Commandments, but the Ten Words. And these words were given, not so they would, uh, this was. This is how you're going to be rescued and delivered, but they were given to how you live once you're rescued and delivered. That's what it looks like, and we've been at great length over all of that. And they were a love thing, I've told you that. The first three are about loving God, the last six are about loving your neighbor. And number four, which is about Sabbath, is all about loving yourself and They're summarized into those things, but that was kind of the pattern that they were given. Now, when we get here into Matthew 5, 6, and 7, which the entire thing is called the Sermon on the Mount, the first 12 verses are known as the Beatitudes. Um, It's kind of fascinating because, you know, it's in Christ that we have our exodus. It's in him that we are rescued and delivered from slavery and bondage to sin. Right. And so then we have Jesus who in Matthew chapter four, um, we see him go through the waters. He's baptized. And then where does he go? He goes out into the desert for the temptation. And then what happens next As we get here. He's gone to a mountain where he's going to give us this Sermon on the Mount. And so there's this connection that's happening there. And you should see it as part of your Exodus story. And the Sermon on the Mount is is how we're to live As people in the kingdom, what it looks like to be citizens of the kingdom of God and what should happen in us. But uh, in, in much the same way that this was how the Old Testament folks were now supposed to live, this is what it looks like when we come to know Jesus. This is what the life looks like that's being produced in us by the Holy Spirit. When we go through the Beatitudes, I don't want you to see those as, well, those are the new rules for the kingdom of heaven. They're not. They're, they're the things that should be, are being produced in you by the Holy Spirit and you should recognize them. And for me they're just a way of sort of knowing that, that this is what life in Him looks like and I should be aware of those things. So, so it's more of a description of how we're supposed to be living in the kingdom. And that's what's happening. And it's kind of you can look that as they're not rule. These are the, this is like how I got to you know, develop and grow. It's it's really these are the things that are in you. And once we're aware of them, we can look back and see and we can kind of see how we're doing as we look against them. And So it's really important. That we get that. So that's the Sermon on the Mount. You can kind of see it. And you can tie it back into the Exodus story and our Exodus. And and it's how we're supposed to live. It's uh, You know, I always told you those ten words are what it looked like to be human. This is what God intended. And Jesus is clarifying now because by this point in time, everything's been twisted and upside down. And Jesus is untwisting things. And he's saying, basically, you heard it said, but I say to you, and then he'll straighten out the stuff that's going on, what it looks like to have life in him. So we have that whole thing going with the sermon now, and we get the Beatitudes. Well, this other idea of being image bearers or an imager uh, is is another part of the story that that I want to dig into. And for this part of the story, we have to go back to creation. It's okay. You guys know creation and what we've talked about. Remember what I've said to you all along uh, is that what God was doing in the creation story, in, in, story, in effect, was he, was he was creating a cosmic temple. It was a place where heaven and earth met and, and where God was and where we were and we were connected. And, and it's a picture of temple. And the idea of temple would have been known by everybody reading the, the ancient literature. There were, there were temples. There were false temples, obviously, around. And um, what, what most people would have thought of when they heard the word temple was a place where whatever heaven looked like to them and earth met. And inside the temple, there was an image. There would be an image of that God inside the temple. And then, you know, it would be a false image, but they'd have it. But... The real God, He does it differently because He, there's, Heaven and Earth meet. That's what we have. And what's the image there? We are. He creates us. We're made in His image. This is how He's going to do it. And it it speaks to our vocation as well. It's Him. His desire has always been to partner with us to make a difference. Originally, we were going to partner with God, and we were going to go through the whole planet and 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 partner with God and make it like Eden. It was going to be perfect. Planet was good, but it wasn't all like Eden. Eden was specific. And that's what was supposed to happen. And then the fall happens where we say, hey, we don't want to do it your way. We're going to go our way. And everything is broken. And, and what happens at that moment is that the enemy gets hold of things and he distorts the image. So because people say, well, after the fall, are we still created Are we still made the image of God. It's a it's a yes, but it's qualified. Yes. Yes. But now the image that we're reflecting uh, is distorted. And often when you read the scripture and you read in Romans and things, what you see is that instead of people reflecting the creator, uh, the enemy has twisted it and we often reflect the creation instead. And the creation becomes what people worship. And that's one of the big problems that we have. So so we had a definite problem, but you have this picture of temple that you need to see of what's going on. And so you have heaven. It's a place where heaven and earth meet, and there's an image, right? And then in the Old Testament, we read about the, the Hebrew temple, and it would have been that. It would have been a place, literally, where heaven and earth met, and there was an image. And the image would have been, it was either the high priest or the king. In the Old Testament, you see that happen and things. Then we know the temple's destroyed. We know that part of the story. It's rebuilt, but there's no presence of God. But then Jesus comes on the scene, and he says he's the temple, and that begins to make sense to us because he's fully God, he's fully man, and it ties in the story even better. He's our high priest and he's our king. It's this beautiful picture all wrapped up together, right? And then we know that Jesus goes to the cross, and there he takes on all of the consequences of the fall, in this one beautifully uh, arranged time in history, takes it all down, deals with it, defeats death, rises again, and then he says, look, i got to go, but I'm going to send you somebody even, even. it's going to be more cool. He sends Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit comes and dwells in us, and then what does Paul tell us? Now that Holy Spirit dwells in us, we're, we're the temple. Right? We're, we're the place where heaven and earth meet. And, and once again, empowered by the Holy Spirit, we are back to our vocation of partnering with God, making a difference in the world. And it's really like our original vocation. We're to reflect God into the world. And, and so we, we have this idea now of reflecting God to one another and to the whole world. And it's really something to think about. And I, it's such an amazing thing. It's one of those things that I think we sort of pass over and don't really dwell on. You know, I tell you, there are those things that we, we do that with, like Holy Spirit dwelling in us. It's such, so magnificent that I think it's hard for us to really continually dwell on that he's there. Our inheritance. If Holy Spirit, as amazing as he is, is a deposit on the inheritance. What in the world is the inheritance like? These are things that are hard for us to grasp. Well, this idea that we actually reflect the image of God is pretty significant. Because I think most of us would go, Phew, not very well. And maybe I shouldn't speak for you. Let me, most of the time I would think, I'm not doing that very well. Which is why this series is not called Imager, it's called Imager in Training. Because I don't want to act like I got this figured out. I'm in process like all of us, but there are times when that's happening and I know what's supposed to be going on. So when I, I look into a room of, of primarily believers, I look out and what I see is see new creation, right? Because you all are new creations in Christ. You have that spark in you. And so this is the, the amazing beginning of what God is doing. And all of these things are tied together and we need to be aware of them as we talk about bearing the image and being image bearers in the world around us. And and Paul in Colossians 3 says this, he says, listen, don't lie to each other since you've taken off your old self with its practices, old self, nature, sin, nature, all this stuff, you know, we're taking that off all the time, we're putting on the new self, he kind of pictured it like clothing, we've talked about, you put on the new self, which is what, being renewed in the knowledge, in the image of its creator." we're being renewed we're being we've we've been uh, our vocation is back in Christ when we come to know Jesus and and we're once again bearing the image of God it's being renewed in us we're being renewed in that way to partner with him to make a difference in the world that's the idea behind what we're talking about that we need to get a hold of cuz that's a that's a pretty big deal when you get a hold of it we're not just kind of casually along for the ride waiting for Jesus to come back uh we are partners With God. Man, I talked about the, listen, the Abba Father relationship. You know, we have that, we have this intimacy, and at the same time, we're partners. And and empowered by the Holy Spirit, we're to, we're to make a difference. This is our vocation in the world around it. And somehow, in the amazing goodness and faithfulness and grace of God, uh, even though when He comes back, new heaven comes to earth, and earth is renewed, still what we do now has an impact. Because I have heard people say, well, what difference does it make? It's all going to be, this isn't blown apart, it's redone. And somehow God is using what's happening now because we're new creation. It started in Christ. There's something that continues on in us. So we need to be aware of that and why it's so important that we get a hold of this and really begin to walk this out. So we're looking at things differently uh, in what this means. And the the world desperately needs to know that there's a God who loves them and is for them. And he's, that's what he does with us. I often, I often think, God, really, that's your plan? Because you could do, like, some, angels would be better at this, don't you think? Because, you know, they got it together. But apparently the problem with angels when you read the scriptures, every time they show up, everybody just hits the ground. You can't get anything done. <laughs> read the scripture every time. Boom. And the angels are busy, like, don't be afraid. Seriously. Come on. I got, God, this isn't going to work. I, I'll send the people then. I don't know why that just happened, but it did. Okay, so. <laughs> it hadn't happened the other two services I did, but it did happen just then. So we're to reflect the image of God. And I think one of the, the neat things about what we're going to look at in the Beatitudes is it kind of helps us to see what we're reflecting. And so we're not... It's not like... It's it's being aware of these things. I want to make sure we get it in the right order. This isn't the new rules of how to how to get into heaven or anything. It just means this is what should be being reflected in us. And if we're reflecting something different, we need to catch it and go, well, that's not that's not the thing I should be reflecting right now. And so point number two, then, is what does it mean to be poor in spirit? Because that's how the Beatitudes start. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So what in the world does it mean to be poor in spirit? And I, I thought we were filled with the spirit, which we are, and, and so what is this, you know, what am I looking at and what's going on? And, and yet this is a critical sort of starting place for the Beatitudes. Blessed are the poor in spirit. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now, that word blessed is fascinating. And I, I think we've been teasing back and forth. Is it blessed or do you say blessed? And it just, I don't know why sometimes I'll two-syllable it, but I will. Uh, and I don't know how you do it, but you get the idea. But... Uh, the word is fascinating. to Look, at. I've looked at it for years and what it means and the, the ways that you can define it. And it, it can mean happy, which is, you know, you sort of get that or it's even more emphatic, deliriously happy. But I, I've come to a, a better definition, I think, over the last few years uh, and that in context, what's really going on there, it, it really means on the right path. On the right path. That's what it blessed. You're on the right path. When these things happen, and that's what we want, right? We want to be on the right path. We want to, we're keeping in step with the Spirit, walking with Jesus, all those things. So on the right path are the poor in spirit. Now, really what that means is, poor in spirit, it means that we're just desperately aware of our need for the mercy and grace of God. That we realize that we cannot do this without him. That, that we need him in every area of our lives. Everything is his goodness to us. Everything is his gift to us. This very next breath that I hope I take, that was a gift. That would always be a bad illustration if I keeled over and fell down at that point. But then what happened next to me would be a gift. So it's all good. So, it's a gift. And it's that constant realization. See, that that's how we came to know him. We realized we needed Him. We needed a Savior. We couldn't get back to God in our own strength. We weren't going to do it, no matter how hard It wasn't going to happen. Life happened with Him. When we gave our lives to Jesus, we were filled with the Holy Spirit. Everything changed. That's how we got in. And yet we have a tendency pretty quickly after we get in to forget that. That was the whole study in Galatians. And to start thinking, well, now that I'm in, I need to start adding things to this. And that's that. I need it. But now I'm going to add this, 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 this. And it's not because what will happen is we'll, we'll quickly start to think that it's those things that are making the difference in us. When, in fact, it's always my constant, desperate need for God in my life. I need his mercy. I need his grace. I need it every moment. I need it every day. I need it every morning. Uh, you know, one of my favorite uh, songs uh, you know, his mercies are new every morning. And I'm always so grateful for that because my messes are new every morning. And I need him in that way. And so Jesus tells a story about this. Uh, which is very cool. When, I love Jesus' stories. And he tells, it, he tells a parable. And he's, he's telling this to a group of very religious people, along with everybody else. Every time Jesus is telling a story, almost always, unless you read that it's exclusively his, his disciples, there are religious people hanging around there because they were drawn to Jesus as well. But they were, they were kind of a mess. He says to some who were confident of their own righteousness, people that are following the rules and think they got it down, uh, and looking down on everybody else, which is a consequence of living like that, Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray. One a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you. That's my, I don't know why, I don't don't know why. That I am not like other people. Robbers, evildoers, adulterers. And this is one of my favorites. Or even like this tax collector. The guy's in the room in Jesus' story. Understand, too, the, the, the way he's pitting them against one another. Pharisees and tax collectors. So Pharisees would be, you know, considered to be very very religious, very pious, rule followers. Tax collectors were the absolute worst of the worst. They, in the New Testament, they had their own sort of bracket, because you often see that there were sinners and tax collectors. Tax collectors are so bad, sinners doesn't cover it. Worse than the murderers, and worse, the very worst, they're sinners. Know, oh, yeah, those tax collector guys. Why did they hate them so much? Well, they worked for the Romans and they, they robbed from the people of Israel. And so they were outcasts. They wouldn't have it. So this is the, this is the contrast that Jesus made. Here's this Pharisee and here's this, here's this poor tax collector who just, can you imagine hearing the Pharisee say that? Man, am I glad I ain't like you. I fast twice a week. I give a tenth all I get. I'm following the rules. I'm in. I'm good. Me and God. The tax collector stood at a distance. He wouldn't even look up to heaven, but beats his breast and says, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And Jesus says, I tell you that this man, this is Jesus, the story of Jesus, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled and those who humble themselves will be exalted. See, there's something about the realization of your desperate need for the grace of God and that you can't do it in yourself that really makes all the difference and that we need to get a hold of it. Well, well, then, why are the why are the porn spirit blessed? What does that look like? What does it mean? Uh, and how does that happen? Well, let me let me make sure as I say this that you get that. We read that story. In in no way does this mean that I, I'm to sort of walk around. You know, like I'm just I'm this horrific mess, and I make no difference in the world because you know I'm just bad, bad, bad me. Uh-uh. Uh, I, I walk around knowing that God is so amazing that in my brokenness, he has made a way for me to be reconciled to him. And somehow he takes and uses my brokenness in this life. And now I'm a child of the king. I have a Holy Spirit living in me. I have a I have a future that is just off the charts. I, I am His, but I know it's because of Him. It's not because of me and my, my performance and my getting right. It's always because uh, I, I, I have connected with the idea that I came into this thing because of Him. And I stay in it because of Him and His work in me. And so that realization means that I'm blessed. It means that, that I, this is because of Him. He, he's the one that's doing it in me. I, I just have to yield. That's the whole thing. I just have to keep pressing into the Holy Spirit and yield to what He's doing in me. And it's just the most beautiful picture that we have. There's a passage in Isaiah. Isaiah Isaiah had a lot of new creation stuff going on, uh, renewed creation. So when you read Isaiah, you'll see it happens throughout there. And he he talks a lot about what's going to come. In this particular passage, Jesus picks up on when he he, uh, is in the synagogue and he quotes it. But this is right from Isaiah himself, Isaiah 61. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me. Because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. Who, who are the poor? People who desperately need God. That's, in this context, that's what's going on. But I have good news for them. Isn't that good? And you've, we understand what the good news is. It's been proclaimed to us. We've responded. He has sent me to bind up the broken hearted. This world is is still difficult because our enemy is de- defeated but not departed. We, there's a lot of tragedies that happen. There's a lot of hardship going on. But we have Jesus and we have Holy Spirit and we have future. We have all these amazing things to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners. Even because of all that mess, but now you can be free because of what God has done that we can be reconciled to Him. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn. That's the next Beatitude. We'll dig into that next week. And provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them I love this, a crown of beauty instead of ashes. My my mess, you know, my crown would be such a but, but because of Jesus and what he's done a a crown of of beauty, and the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. And they will be called, listen to this, oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for this reason, for the display of his splendor. Now that's the connection I want you to make with being an imager. That's what it's all about. Somehow in us, and what he's doing in us, we're, we're a display of His splendor, of what He is like, of what He is doing. And in that way, we're to image that to one another and to the world. And that's what this is kind of all about and what it means to be an imager and training. And we're going to dig in more as we go into the next Beatitudes. We'll be looking at the comfort in the morning and everything next week. Um, but But get ready for that. But... Sort of dwell on these things this week, the amazing goodness of God, all that he's done. And that th- this idea of imaging is th- the display of his splendor into the world. Back to our original vocation with him because of what Jesus has done. So anyway, that's enough for today. Alice, my love, why don't you come? And we'll pray. And uh, we'll, uh, we'll dismiss. Oh, Papa, we love you so much. You're amazing. You're good. You're faithful. And Holy Spirit, we are thankful for your leading and your guiding, your teaching, your encouragement, your comfort, for all that you do. And help us all to be aware that we are to reflect your image to the world and then at the same time to remember that apart from you, there's no way we can do that. And... and Holy Spirit, help us when we realize that we're reflecting something different. And, and just let us know. Because our hearts are to display your splendor. Nothing of ourselves. But only of you. So help us to, to, to do, to love like you did. Jesus, to, to see like you saw. Just to make a difference in the world. Wherever we go, you're such an awesome and amazing God, Alice. Amen.
1: Goodness of God. Pastor Georgina texted me early this morning, and she had a um, a couple scriptures and a word for someone. And you're really grieving right now. You're in deep, deep mourning, and the scriptures are Joel two twenty five. I will repay you. For all the years that the locusts have stolen. In Psalm 30, 11, and 12, it's going to turn your wailing into dancing and remove your sackcloth and clothe you with joy so that you can sing for him again. And then, um, Miss Rachel, I felt like someone might be really discouraged. You don't feel like anybody's got your back or anybody's praying for you. And the Lord wants you to remember Hebrews 7:24 and 25, Jesus is interceding for you and i had a i had a scripture on my heart all week and it was kind of confirmed in the worship this morning because i don't know the set that they're going to play we just show up and do our gig right and douglas case takes care of the rest and um kimberly sang that last song the scripture that's been going through my mind all week is revelation twelve eleven. we overcome by the blood of the lamb the word of our testimony and loving our lives unto death. And there's somebody, in the word of your testimony, there's somebody out there, that's your story. And somebody needs to hear your story. It's a broken story. And it totally displays the splendor of God. Because at the end of it, there's redemption. So, amen. That's, that's the end.
0: Amen. <laughs> Good job. Listen, everything... That that we know and do, it starts by knowing Jesus. And, and I, I'm going to tell you that at the end of every time that I get up here until, I said earlier, until they wheel me off with a big hook on the side and cast me out into the lawn. Everything starts with Jesus. If you don't know Jesus as Lord and Savior, you need to. Everything starts there. And because of everything he's done on the cross, our, our part is just to respond to that. We, we hear and we believe. We, we, we believe in our heart that Jesus is Lord and what he's done for us. We confess with our mouth Jesus is Lord. We get those things. And so it starts with this, Jesus, will you be my Lord and Savior? And, and if you've never started there, start there now. Right? This, Jesus, will you be my Lord and Savior? If you're watching online, if you've never done it, Jesus, will you be my Lord and Savior? And everything starts from that moment. And if you're doing that for the first time, I want to know. The easiest way to do that right now is to text the word HEART to 305 so we can celebrate with you and sort of help you in the beginning of your journey. So that's that. Thank you again, church, for your amazing generosity, your faithfulness to your giving and your tithing and your offerings and all those great things that you do. Uh, that's how you do it if you want to mail it in or digitally or with the text or however you want to do it on the website, whatever's cool. Also, there's an offering Box there and there two by the door if you want to give that way and we are so grateful and let's sing doxology and then we'll be done with this group for today Praise God from whom all blessings flow Praise Amen. May the Lord bless and keep you. May His face shine upon you. May He be gracious to you and give you peace. Go today in the peace, the power, and the love of God. God bless you all. Thank you for being here. Have a great day. Get out there. Catch some fish. Hope your team wins. Be thankful for five things. Encourage two people. So we got one lost child back to death. Please go out these doors. They are open for you. And we will see you soon. God bless you guys. We also want to say goodbye to everybody watching online. Thanks for being a part today. Check out Matthew 5 and the Beatitudes. and, and uh, just uh, It'll be amazing how God just applies those things into our lives every day.
1: Tom and Bobby, I don't know if you're watching at this service or not, but we love you and thank you for your encouraging letters. and We do love you all, but it's so good to hear from you as well. So have a great week, everybody. Blessings.
0: Bye-bye. Thanks for watching today's service from Keys Vineyard Community Church. Make sure to like us on Facebook and subscribe to us on YouTube. For more information, log on to keysvineyard.com. We'll see you next time.